Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Stacey Zuniga of Enacom. Enacom is a company that focuses on voice response technology and is currently building the future of what that technology is going to look like by leveraging Siri, Alexa, and Google. And with that, here's my interview with Stacey. Hello, Stacey. Hi. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Good. So Stacey Zuniga, Vice President of Financial Services for Enacom. Tell us about Enacom. Well, Enacom is a company that's been doing voice engagement services, typically via IVR for the last 30 years, and in recent years has entered into the more cutting edge end of the technology with AI-enhanced voice services and engagement services, Alexa, Google Home, what have you, and getting into digital banking as well. Okay. And we're going to talk about different uh, feature sets and opportunities within there. Before we get started, can you tell me a little bit about the history of Enacom? In the beginning, they... Enacom focused, and before I was here, I joined a couple of years ago, Enacom focused on interactive voice response systems for multiple verticals. It was a very broad swath. If you needed an IVR, they could provide it. And about, I would say, 15 years ago, the company started focusing on financial services primarily, including banking and prepaid general purpose reloadable card services uh, for some of the large players in that market. Some of our customers are large ones like US Bank, Green Dot, what have you. Since then, They've taken a lot of the technology they've built and realized servicing the community banking market is important, community banks and credit unions. And to do that, you have to take those technologies and make them affordable. So they platformized it, it was a term that people like to use these days, and make it available software as a service. So the costs for the services are scaled based on the size of the institution. So even the small institution out there, we have one that's under 50 million in assets, uh, can afford to do Alexa banking and even AI enhanced uh, 50 million assets, and they're able to do that. All right. There's hope for yeah. all of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. I mean, the company has been around, like I said, 30 years as profitable, and I, I and they have very strong financial side of the organization. So I've, I've got the benefit of joining an organization who wants to do, most companies that focus on what I'm doing right now are startups. <laughs> and so they either face the complexity of raising capital, or they face the complexity of compliance and due diligence and being a player that's been in the game for a while in banking. I have the luxury of having being part of a company that's been around, has that background, and they want to do new things. So it's pretty fun. Where, where do these exotic animals exist? <laughs> <You know>? no. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. So, so IVR, integrated voice response. Let's talk about the previous sword. Let's before we get to the Alexas of the world, let's talk about the previous right. cases for that and how it's evolved into what it is today. Oh my gosh. So voice banking when it comes to just the IVR. So everyone knows the old systems that in the very beginning, calling in, getting the weather and getting your bank balance, basically. Today, uh, it's evolved from being just a touchstone system, obviously, to going to speech recognition, speech-enabled systems that have gotten better and better over time. We power some of the largest institutions, some of their divisions, largest institutions in the country. And so we see what the best of the best is, and we are in that group. And we're able to take that type of technology where it's contextual, it's dynamic, it's personalized, it's for the, it's based on what you usually do. So the whole IVR, we call in and list out every single thing for checking, press one, for savings, press two, all the way through 13 menu items. That system, is, that's the old system. And some of those still exist. Our system is, if you don't have a savings account, we're not going to mention a savings account on the system. Or if every time you call in, you want to know a checking balance or a savings balance, that's the first thing we offer you. So there's less time in the technology, more less time in technology, get satisfied quicker, get the information you want on and off. And that's where we're at today when it comes to IVR. 
tying fully into their integrated to their to their back office systems, able right. to identify the client profile and then pull data as required. Okay, so now let's talk mm -hmm. about how that basically is coming to fruition with the likes of uh, Amazon Alexa and eventually Google Home, and I'm sure Apple will eventually let Siri start doing more stuff other than play music. <laughs> yeah, that, that's but, coming. That's coming. That's, I don't care what they say. Yeah. Girl, it's totally coming. They have no choice. So with that, and this is something I've kind of I've wondered about. To me, we're at very early days on this kind of voice response with a voice assistant. And, you know, mm -hmm. my question to you was, you know, and I'm sure there's plenty of thought around this, beyond simply saying, hey, what's my bank balance at, what I owe on this credit card, what kind of questions are you dreaming up for Alexa to respond to? Well, that's, that's just the thing. Everyone has been conditioned today to think about it as being questions. What's my balance? What's the weather? Things like that. And when they think about entertainment, they think about commands, play this and play that, right? It's a little different. When they think about finance, I think it's only questions. We see the world with Alexa and with the IVR, because we already have it developed for both, is a multimodal world where you are requesting information from Alexa and it being delivered to you in another way. So basically, Alexa, send me my statements from June 2015 to my phone. Alexa, show me my statement from June 2015 on my television. Those types of uh, multimodal interactions where it's real time with first with Alexa show, you know, sending that information, or at least the request going to Alexa and hitting our back end and we can actually present that information via these other modes. That's what people are going to be doing in the very near future. Right now, we just do it very simply. When you're on an IVR, for example, and you want your transactions, we suggest, would you rather me just text them to you instead of reading them all to you? And they say yes, and they get a text message with the last 10 transactions. The same thing with Alexa. What are my historical transactions? Well, I can just text that to you. Or how about I show you on your phone and send you a mobile web application to let you interact with it, and I can direct you on how to do that. So that's where it's going. And it's, gonna, it's one of these things that feeds itself in turn. It's a, it's a virtuous cycle. I'm instructing you how to do it. And by doing that, you know you can do more, right? Oh, wow, I can do this with Alexa. And it just keeps going and going. It's, it's fairly straightforward. So um, for the record, anyone listening to this, I forgot to apologize in advance. I apologize for the use of the term Alexa, OK Google, or Siri. Hey, Siri, because I'm sure anyone listening to this is <laughs> just set off a number of devices. We might do it several <laughs> times during this yeah. conversation. Yeah, I, um, I muted mine. It's, it's like default mute. You know, yeah. I've got one in my office. Uh, yeah. All I could think of is that if I had one in my office right now, it would have interrupted this conversation several times. Um, at least, at least, yeah. So first off, let's talk about that. So, I mean, clearly we're, like I said, early stages, but I love where this is going in that essentially mm -hmm. for the tech freaks and geeks like myself, who basically already have countless smart home devices, already listening to voice response, locking front doors, locking front doors, open garages, you name it. Um, right. No one tried right. to break it across. The, the reality is, is yeah. that I'm getting used to that uh, non-singular device experience, right? I think what you're talking about, you know, to date, I've seen the voice responses or voice response technology is simply extended itself to smart home thus far. But what you're talking about now is expanding that kind of sphere of influence to the other devices that we use every day, like this, this, our cell phones, our smartwatches, our televisions and whatnot. And really, it's interesting because I, I got to think that the likes of Amazon and the other voice response companies are, are very excited at the prospect of these technologies because a lot of tech pundits uh, early on kind of poo-pooed the entire voice assistance in Siri and the lack of accuracy, whereas others basically right. said, no, this is the future. You just created the next operating system. The next operating system right. is not me sitting here and typing stuff in. It is me just walking around and saying into my AirPods or whatever it is, insert name here, give me X and give it to me in yep. this location. 
So if right. anything, you're, they, must, they must love guys like you for expanding the possibilities of that ecosystem. Well, just think about that. So we as a company, we're an open platform. So we'll incorporate AI partners as we need to, uh, natural language understanding partners, whatever it is, because those technologies, this industry, the Amazons and the Googles and the Apples of the world, putting this platform out there, think of it more like iTunes App Store is now open. What's going to happen? A whole cottage industry of technology providers sprouted up to do mobile applications for multiple app stores, different configurations, different parameters, different technologies, and create this huge ecosystem. They've done it again because voice ecosystems is so different than mobile apps. The back end is fun, but the front end and how you do this and how you scale this, you don't have a, any voice experience, you know what you're doing there. You're behind the curve ball, behind the curve on it already. But beyond that, when it comes to natural language understanding, AI, how many AI companies do you know now? How many can you name? You can name 10 off the top of your head easily, yeah. right? That's a whole, I, I almost say, a cod, I call it cottage industry because everybody's, here comes all these companies, right? And it's in that, it's in that infancy, I say infancy, it's in that stage where the growth is outstripping supply in terms of people. Because if I want to go out and say, I need a guru who does Alexa development. Well, guess what? He's part of a company who's doing nothing but Alexa development. It's yep. try to find the, try to find those guys. With mobile app, I go find somebody to go do mobile apps for me because there's so many of them now. But when it comes to this stuff, the companies are still sucking up all the resources for it. And people are learning on the fly. This thing, this cottage industry, it, it's going to take care of itself. It's going to take care of the, it doesn't understand exactly what I say. It's going to take care of all those nuanced issues that the pundit said would be a problem. It's you creating business to overcome those obstacles. Yeah, I mean, this is normal. The, you know, this, I was hearing the same thing in the crypto sphere not that long ago. It's like, oh, God, we can't find programmers anywhere because either they're fresh out of school and have no experience or they have experience, forget it. The price they're charging is, is, is just through the roof, right? Create a right, new- right. Or, they're, or they're doing their own thing. Exactly, right? Like either you create a new industry overnight and suddenly there's demand for it. And of course, the few people who actually know how to build that widget are going to be commanding a king's ransom. That's right. So I think, you know, I think one of the big challenges you're going to face here, and I'm sure you'll agree, is kind of the normalization or almost education of the consumer mm-hmm. as to what's possible with this. Because I still remember the, I got the Alexa, you got the Amazon Echo as soon as it came to Canada. I kid you not. Like first day was here, got one, put lugged it in and basically said, oh, went through the app, did the setup, show my wife the five things I get to do. And then I'm like, and then what? And I was just like, okay, right. it's nice. <laughs> right, right, like, right. Well, in my household, when I got it, because I, when I joined here, I said, okay, I'm going to have to become a, I might have to know how to do this backwards and forwards like I did with mobile apps. In my, in, my, in my past. And I bought a couple of them. And my wife said, what on earth are you doing? Why are these in the house? Now, if for some reason the network's not up, she is the one who's addicted to using Alexa for everything, everything, information, schedules, weather, entertainment, the whole gambit, right? And if she had her financial stuff on there as well, she'd be using it for that. She is a complete addict. And my kids don't know the world without it. I have a five-year-old who is entertaining themselves, Alexa, play this, Alexa, play that. They don't know the world without these voice systems. And right now it's smart speakers. It won't be long before there's going to be, it's going to be in the television. Even if Amazon has to do their own television, they'll put it in the television. If they can't get people everywhere to support the software or if it's Google doing the same thing. And so my kids, there's fingerprints on the TV. They expect it to do stuff and they talk to everything. Yeah. And they talk to everything. There is a generation that will not know the world without 
voice commanding everything, just like some people don't know the world without the internet. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's when my child was, my, my oldest one was, I think, two or three, and he would be at a family member's house watching the TV, and he'd try to swipe it. <laughs> and that was, that was really so amusing. And then, and then, you know, just to mess with him once, I actually did a... Um, <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm getting off track here. Yeah, but I, that's I actually okay, that's okay. was up on Apple TV and actually when he swiped, I swiped. And then as soon as, soon as I stopped, he was incredibly confused. So, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, I have that's to reach the just to mess with that. Them, that's, you know? yeah, that's just uh, me. That's just me. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, he's already, when he hears us call out uh, Alexa play a song or Siri play a song that he does not want to hear, he'll be like, no. And then he'll yell a command to play something else, right? Or Exactly, exactly. And if he doesn't say it exactly right, because my kid's five, he's not exactly right every time. She has no idea what he's talking about. But he'll get it right eventually. But that's one end of the bell curve, right? Yeah. So this is a technology which is really interesting because usually for new technology adoption, you have the early adopters and the kids, right? And the mainstream in the middle. And they think, oh, who's the nascent the users and the older demographics not going to use it. This is an interesting technology because, as you said, you have to normalize it, get people used to it, educate themselves on how to use it. But for the where the rubber beats the road, pinpoint use cases, for example, one of our customers, Bank Independent, they have a user who's 89 years old, legally blind. It changed his life. He's on that other side of the bell curve, and he uses it every day to check his balances because he cannot, he can't use the computer to do it, he doesn't use his phone to do it. He literally just says, Alexa, what's my balance? Alexa, what are my transactions? That's something that is here now, even though we still have to go with the curve of, of people using it and the adoption curve. We're already got it on both sides of the bell curve right now. Well, it's it's so empowering. I mean, like you think about aging and the last thing, you know, your, your sight will go, your hearing will go, but your speech will probably be one of the last things that's ever going to go if it goes at all. And I mean, there's right. already countless examples of Siri or Apple Watch or whatever, and even Alexa, saving people's lives by basically, you know, <laughs> falling, having accidents and being able to shout out and call 911 on these devices, right? So, Or the biometrics from the heart rate on the Apple Watch. I've heard people that were early indicators of heart attacks go to the hospital and were saved if they didn't go they would have had a heart attack i mean yeah, fun, now, funny story the only, the only early indicators i ever got were at two times one was watching avengers endgame and the other one uh -huh. <laughs> was watching <laughs> that it was game of thrones the last season during the battle of winterfell and it's it's, <laughs> uh, it's hilarious you can see my all day and and it's 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 classic. So, uh, luckily, it didn't. It did not actually send off. Oh, you may be having a heart attack. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Really living. So let's talk about the elephant in the room on this. And it always mm -hmm. comes down to one thing and one thing only, and it's security. And our preliminary conversation right. about this this was this was a geek fest about how this problem is going to be solved. So let's let's get into just how interesting this can be. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's two sides, right? There's two sides of security because after we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago, I thought about some of it. It splits itself into the authentication side of this, and it splits itself into the data security side of this, right? There's about what's happening today, what's coming soon, and what the future really is for these devices. Because again, don't make it about the device anymore. Make it about a voice engagement platform that could be across any device. How do you handle that? The more devices you have, the more channels you have, the more security risk you have from an authentication and data security risk. How do you handle that? And so today, it's pretty straightforward. It's like any other aggregation technology. You have PIN numbers and passwords, the link accounts and things like that, right? But it's all siloed from each other. You know, it's limited on the security side, it's all, the data is all siloed from each other. And there's really no way to monitor a bunch of security aspects of it to make sure you protect a user 
if any one of the channels user interacts with has been compromised, right? So that's where we're at. We at Intercom are already implementing different things that can go beyond that with technologies that are available today. So you can actually today, you can do out-of-band authentication. So you can use voice biometrics with these devices so that you can use a PIN number as, as the traditional way to do that to get information, balances, whatnot. But if you want to move money out of your account to another account outside the institution, which some institutions want to do, we're going to do some out-of-band authentication with that. We're going to call you and you do voice biometrics to prove that you are who you are. So in a way where you don't have the information that we're asking you to say back to us in terms of the four or six digits we're going to have you say back to us, but we have a voice biometric algorithm, basically a voice print on you that we can match you against to make sure that that uh, transaction is legitimate. That's what we can do today. It's fairly straightforward. Or you can send a text message with a PIN number to it, and you can read it to Alexa and have it authenticate that way out of band. There's multiple ways to do out of band, which is really cool. It makes it really secure. Because yeah. if you do the text message, to it, yeah. Because I mean, I think about all this and think to myself, like, you know, when we were talking about it, first of all, I'm a fan of two-factor everything. And I try to two-factor everything I possibly can. It drives my wife and my coworkers nuts, but too bad. Um, Security uh-huh. <laughs> <the cost of laughs> is, is worth it. So, I mean, when we're talking about, by nature, the ability to even make that request on the device in question, which may have already been authenticated, say, my Apple Watch or whatever it is, where mm-hmm. Taken off, you need to put the passcode back in, or you need to authenticate via the phone. Right. First off, there's the first set of proof. The second set of mm-hmm. proof, the voice print identification. And if you push out a third set through a, you know, an SMS message or some sort of confirming push message on your phone that says, please hit this button to, to finalize a transaction, would for a lot of people be the biggest hindrance to using this, which be the fear of security. If anything, right. I think that the introduction of voice biometrics and, and voice response that we're talking about this, if mapped out correctly, makes security one of its strongest selling points. Oh, absolutely. I mean, imagine if the, today the traditional thing is to go ahead and, and, and send a text message, and like you said, in a, in a multi-factor authentication, but then you add the voice biometrics to it, it is 100%. If I send you a text or I call you and send you a text or call you and say, say this number back to me, I can tell you 100% that that person is that person. When you start triangulating on location, device location, biometrics on devices, then we start getting into the future of things, right? This is when we start getting into a persistent authentication. I call it like an authentication cloud around you, whereby mm-hmm. any system you interact with, because of biometrics on your phone or, or your phone being loca- located, triangulated biometrics on your, on your watch, combined with your voice biometrics, giving it commands, and having it be an active or a passive voice biometric system. Some of these technologies, like Alexa, doesn't do passive voice biometrics yet for this purpose. That's where you go out of band. In the future, when it does, or when it does, when we access Alexa on other platforms and we can actually pass uh, passive voice biometrics in, this persistence of, okay, I'm 80% sure this is Stacy because he's got his watch in his car with his phone. And when Stacy says, open my bank account and I can passively identify his voice, I'm 100% sure that's him, right? We have all these things together. And when that system follows you from the car into a hotel room to an ATM where you have that cloud and you walk away and that system is no longer engaged with you, so it's no longer authenticated for you, that's that cloud of authentication, persistent authentication following you around. That's going to give a lot of folks comfort in terms of it's like a blanket of comfort, you have to actively engage with the system with your voice for this to really be 100% authenticated and for you to be able to control the level of authentication you need, that's going to be a game changer. 
Yeah, I mean, versus you're already starting to see uh, implementations like Alexa in the car, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you think of someone someone basically steals a car and without the proper authentication, they would basically say to somebody the effect of, you know, send money to this account. Well, now you have, okay, data point one car, data point two voice did not match. And right. their confirming data points are there, right? So whether you're right. absolutely whether it be there's there's five to seven things that authenticate you or whether it's but you know if there's not enough of them the probability of error of theft goes up and therefore you cut off that transaction or you you force a greater hurdle right so it makes right. sense, a lot of sense i mean i i really it's like i said what the light bulb went off in our conversation last time where it went from yeah but what about security and people telling them to move money to their own accounts or emails people certain money to oh no this is this is part of a great mosaic that can basically right. really be the kind of the final solution for for well, the final the end solution for basically making us all more secure. It's just another I, methodology of, of verification. I like the word mosaic that you use because essentially that's exactly what it is. And you move from environment to environment. It's turned the conversation around. Wow, how do you ensure security for these devices? And really, this platform can be used to ensure security for everything. Yeah. I mean, the myometric world in your automobile, eventually, that push to start might have a, fingers, a fingerprint scanner. Everything in your car might have some voice voice command system so it knows which profile to pull up, who's driving, right? Yeah, all those things are, yeah, all those things are going to be tied to you as an individual or based on who you are, your biometrics are all there to identify it. No, so like I said, it's great. It's inverted the the potential fear or a weakness into a great strength. So thank you for coming on for this one. This one's great because honestly, the um, I had been I did more than one podcast kind of basically said, hey, this is still early innings. I'm very curious to see where this goes. And you know, mm -hmm. the entire enablement of people, especially around those who cannot better communicate in other ways or better interact in other ways is enormous. But the security aspects, I think, are probably the biggest killer app in this entire thing. So it's just it's just so funny to think that a simple command to a speaker is going to be more secure than, uh, than some of the other stuff we've done in the past. So exactly. Exactly. coming up on half an hour. So before we wrap up, three questions I ask everybody. If you had one wish for something you could change in your company, in your industry, whatever it might be, what would it be? Remove the friction point to getting access to data more quickly for individual institutions from the core providers. You're talking about the financial industry. If you wanted that to be easy, you would have gone somewhere else. Okay. I didn't, like, I didn't say. I didn't say easy. Yeah, I didn't say easy. Yeah, you didn't say it's a wish. You didn't say it's a wish. Let, let's just get this straight. <laughs> you are not the first person who's made that request. Uh, in fact, oh, I know. I know. I'm not. Not. And as I like to say, you know, there's two jokes I make about uh, about this industry. One's about data access, the other one's about sales cycle. And I basically said, <laughs> look, if uh, short of working with government, this is going to be the longest one for both you're ever going to have. Right. <laughs> yeah, the sales cycle, the sales cycle is understandable. You know, it's like they're on their own schedules. They're busy people. But yeah. the data access piece, every day, every month, every quarter, every year, I hear a reinvention of how they're going to model data access. And it's going to be a, whatever it is, financial model for fees to access or open platform to access, but it's just make it easy. Just make it easy. You Not for me. Make it for off these 40 year old servers first. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's get those green screens out of there. Yeah. Okay. I, you Main know, the problem, the, the real problem is, is that they can't push a punch card into a modern computer. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's move on. Next part. What's been the biggest challenge in getting the company to where it is today? I mean, for you, it's a bit of a different story. You weren't there from day one, but from your through your, yeah. your tenure, through your tenure, and what you've seen in terms of the development of voice response since where it is today, what do you feel? It's really interesting. It, there's really nothing that's a. There's no technical hurdles, right? It's not a technology. Anytime someone asks me what what's the most difficult thing to do in this industry, even though I came on later, and but it's, it's a new it's a new technology taking us to the market. I mean, there's education in the market. In this case, we're really lucky. We have. Google and Amazon and Apple, and we did have Microsoft educating the market for it. So that's not the problem. It's not a technology issue. It's, it's the commercial issue. It's the challenges are there's not a whole lot of transparency for us to see when if we're taking new voice technologies to folks to see what systems are using today, right? For voice technology, it's not something that's readily available. And to do it, you to do it again. It come, I don't want to say it comes back to the core providers, but to do it in an effective way, you have to do it. Focus on groups of folks that are alike, who are all at the same pond, because that way you can deploy and get that technology out there faster. And just finding ways to reach those people more quickly and understanding who's in this bucket of folks who really needs, who's looking for these services, who needs these services. Because again, we have legacy systems that can be replaced because the IVRs are so old, but how I identify those people, because there's really, that information is really not readily available. So we have to go out and, and strategically focus on swap of financial institutions to talk to about this. I think that's the biggest challenge is the noise to signal ratio. Make sure that, that we're not noise. Fair enough. Another, it's amazing how many people make references to uh, to that book. <laughs> um, anyway, so last one, what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and uh, what drives you to keep on getting out of bed every day, keep doing what you're doing? There's two parts that excite me right now. If it was a year ago, I, I would say one part. And that one part of your go, which is, is still part of it today, is the vision of being able to walk into a room and saying, put this on my television, and it's there. And saying, send this to my phone, and it's there. Getting in my car, this, this omnipresent piece of technology, I think that's really cool. I mean, Star Trek, that's what we think about. We think about being able to walk in and say, computer, X, Y, Z, and you get what you need, you see what you need. And we grew up with that. And so actually seeing that come through fruition as but we call ourselves a voice engagement company. I think that's really exciting. That's a long vision. What's different today than a year ago is I have banks calling me. I have banks and credit unions calling me saying, it's time to replace this. Hey, it's time for me to, I want to look at Alexa. It's we're turning the corner in terms of their readiness to take on this technology. From a year ago today, it's night and day. I mean, I've got in terms of number of institutions that want to get information or proposals on these things. We're still at the early stage, but we're seeing the tick. It's ticking up. And that's what's exciting today is to see this technology being adopted more quickly or more rapidly over the next, I would say, 24, 36 months. It's interesting. You, uh, something you said there about the uh, Star Trek, have us having grown up with that. I actually kind of find a little bit funny that I'm having, that many of us are having a hard time figuring out what we're going to ask this thing to do when we grew up watching a TV show where they asked the thing to do, asked the robot to do everything. So. Right, right, right. And there's TV shows now. I don't know if you've seen uh, that show on, uh, I think it's on Netflix, Years and Years, or no, it's HBO Go, Years and Years. And it's like 10 years in the future, right? It's only 10 years in the future. And they're using this device, every, a device like Alexa, but it's more advanced every day to connect with their family members, to do conference calls with their family members, to get information on their on different things. And they're thinking about that in the future, but that's what it's going to be. It's yeah. going to be everything. It's, it's not going to be 
what do I think to ask it? It's going to be like my wife's day when the network's down and she starts asking me things and it doesn't work and she gets really upset. <laughs> yep. It's going to be part of our lives, everyday lives for every little detail to important information. Well, that's the thing. It's uh, computing is becoming all the more ubiquitous and it just, the, nothing was going to be more ubiquitous than the fact that Apple's already put two, two computers in my, in my ears and one on my wrist. And, uh, <laughs> Right now, it's just limitation of the capabilities of those devices right now that limit what I can do. I'm still very much looking forward to the VR glasses, though. <laughs> so we'll see what that's. The VR glasses? Yeah, 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 yeah. Did we talk about that today? Did we talk about that? No. I think can't. I talked. Oh, no, I, I talked about it. We don't need to talk about it in detail, but I talked about it earlier. I was on a call with a credit union, and they said, because um, I have a slide that shows, you know, the different channels that people come in on, the different ways people want to engage, and one of them is virtual reality. And I said, now that looks far-fetched, but people are looking at it now, and given what Given what Apple's doing today with what they want to do and what you can try to put in the tea leaves in terms of what they want to do today with augmented reality, it's going to make, you know, Google Glass look like nothing. And I'm excited to see what that is. Yep. Right? Absolutely. So. That is uh, entirely other medium of uh, communication that is going to take a long, long while to wrap our heads around. Uh, specifically. Yeah, it's going to be one of the things where, you know, you think you look at your phone a lot right now. <laughs> no, it can be up in your eyes all the time. Yeah. I also think that until these things become native, it's hard to really understand what they're going to become. Like, you know, same issue with, with voice. Like, I mean, I think, uh, who was it? The first iteration, one of the first iterations I saw of this was uh, eMoney did an AR uh, dashboard of their financial facts, basically just your financial situation, right? Straight out of their mm -hmm. normal uh, dashboard from their financial planning software. And it was basically just their exact dashboard hovering in space. And it's like, yeah. no, 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 this no. is, no, you have to reinvent and, 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 for, the, for, the, for the medium. Exactly. And, and that's something that I think that there was a big, huge misstep with in banking was mobile banking. Oh, but everything that has online is in the mobile application. No, you don't no, need no, all no. that with the mobile application. But they, they did it anyway. They did it anyway. I got more features than you. This isn't a feature game. They're this is a user, user experience the, game. You know, I've seen a lot of improvements, at least on my side of the border. There's, you know, there's, uh, there'll be like the one button at the bottom of the screen that brings up, like, here's the three, like, most common features that you would use. Send money, this or pay bill, uh, take a picture of an invoice, whatever it is, right? And, you know, mm -hmm. they're, getting, they're getting smarter about it. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like, oh, let's port. We did so, so well with this thing. Let's move it and do it exactly the same way here. And it's like, you did so well on a sit-down terminal with a keyboard. This is not the right. same thing. Like, it's a, uh, anyway, but it is, you know, good luck explaining that to people. And there's, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, especially, again, again, when it comes to technology, schools of thought, right? If I wanted to boil it down to two, there are people that are, make it as, as seamless and user-friendly and experiential as possible. It's about experience. And then there are folks that say, no, I've got to have every feature tick box. Well, that's my feature list, right? Where's the list? Check it off, check it off, check it off, check it off. Even if you don't need it. <laughs> it's like, I've got more features than you. It's a so Mac those versus are, you PC know, world. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. It's Mac versus PC. It's, it's Apple versus versus Google on Android. You know, I, you know, it's like my mother-in-law says, I'm thinking about getting an Android device. So we'll say goodbye to your customer support because I can't help you. Because I'm, not gonna I'm help the reverse. You. My father got an Android first and I said, don't even come to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, Stacy. So this is uh, this has been great. When we stumbled upon each other, the opportunity to have someone come in and talk about the the future of voice response and even the use cases today was was a great opportunity to get you on because it's something that keeps on coming up. And I, I wasn't expecting to have this conversation for a while, but uh, this has been fantastic. I hope some I hope people people's uh, the wheels get turning and they start thinking of new inventive ways to use your technology. Absolutely, I appreciate the time. Thanks right. for having me. Thanks.
So I hope you enjoyed my interview with Stacy. So as you can see, voice response is just in its infancy, and it's heading some exciting places. As always, this has been Fintech Impact, and I'm Jason Pereira. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave your review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is you get your podcast. Thank you, and take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.